0: Josh Brown, are you a journalist? Because I heard you've got leads. <laughs> what?
1: what do you mean? Oh, because I've been to Leeds. He's got to,
0: he's got the leads. Yes,
1: yeah. I understand. Are you what an electrician?
0: Because I heard you've got leads.
1: <laughs> what does that one mean? <laughs> I don't get that one. I We're
0: both so one. sleep-deprived, and that was the worst possible pun I could do hey, in your Scott. direction.
1: At least you're a... Uh, all in on hey. this podcast hey <laughs>
0: that's very good next week i'll be all out funnily enough as a reference for the four wrestling fans who have come across what culture wrestling to listen to the gaming <laughs> podcast um because this is the up. i'm scott tilford that's josh brown hello scott tilford hello hello we've been away across the weekend you've been to the lovely bit of leeds fest
1: i did it was really nice yeah. only did the day this year which was already way too much i'm mm. so old man like my back hurts my legs hurt i like got yeah. caught in the rain i've got old man back every
0: day these days
1: yes it was it was dreadful i uh <laughs> i was I, I, I mentioned this i think on twitter before i swiftly deleted it because right. i was like no i'm not checking twitter while i'm at a, no, uh, yeah. a music festival i was like i don't want to see the replies to this uh-huh. but it was um i think it's a testament to how old i am that mm. too let you think you're too old Two separate people, two separate strangers, yes. should I add, on this day in the music festival, said variations of Oof, "You look like you've had a long weekend, mate." <laughs> I'd only been there four hours. <laughs> I was in Newcastle that morning. I hadn't done the weekend. You hadn't I was even a left. Camp yet. And I even left. I was like, "Oh, thank you very I'll much." Tell you what, a massive Otherwise, shout
0: out to uh, all the people that I ran into when I was down at AW's yes. All In event. Uh, always lovely seeing people. Genuinely honoured to. It's always honour to be heard by anyone. So that was really, really cool. Didn't
1: really hear what they said, but I shook someone's hand <laughs> during the Killers, and that was very nice. Who was uh, there? next to me and then went mad to uh, uh, what did what did they even open with? They opened with
0: Mr. Brightside. They
1: didn't. They ended
0: with Mr. Brightside. I shot in the dark there. I didn't know if that was them. Shot in
1: the dark is funnily enough another song that they have I think.
0: Very good. Yeah, also very a John good. Mayer song.
1: Is that right? Shout out
0: to John Mayer. Yeah,
1: anyway the point was it was good. How did you uh, enjoy London? Did you
0: I enjoy was, London? I, oh let's I'm not I can't go into that. That's a lot of that but I just mm. London. That sounds like something horrible happened. It did not It's just very very busy. London's extremely busy. Put up with it. Went to see wrestling for the first time in about 20 years. It was good fun. It was a big show. It was at Wembley. I'm not going to do it again. I'm okay. not, I don't want to spend that much money. I don't. All the wrestling fans, all the AW people know about the conversation. There was doing the rounds before um, all in itself about how the card was a bit naff. It was a bit thrown together. There was a lot of injuries on the roster, so it didn't seem like it was going to come together as strongly as it could have done. I didn't think the live event side of it made up for any of that. I still wow. thought the actual card was pretty flat, but that's a conversation it for is. a different medium altogether.
1: Interestingly, though, every yes. time I go to London, I always leave saying, I can't get into that because I'm right. so traumatised just <laughs> by being in London i tell you what in I, that's the, it's the place I feel most out of place. I feel right. unwelcome when I'm in London. I feel uncool. I it quite It's so like, busy and it scares me.
0: Yeah, I, like, I love, as you well know, cyberpunk stuff. I love the idea of like everyone has like a million little stories are happening in London every minute of the day. I love the vibe of that. and I love that you can just blend into it. And then it yeah. makes it even more special when you do get recognised, you do see someone who talks about video games or recognises us or whatever. Genuine thank you. Like I said, it's an honour. Um, but at the same time, I'm always so glad to get out of that maelstrom. Also, always so glad to get out of that fog that is like... London. I just want to disconnect from it from a bit. There's a certain pace to city life that obviously, you know, and we are in the northeast of England, like we're right next to Newcastle and Gateshead and stuff. And I used to live in Newcastle. And there's a there's a vibe to that that I used to absolutely love. Mm. And I am done with it. I'm too you're talking right. about being too old? I'm six years older than you, and <laughs> I'm too old. So I like I like I like getting away from the city. I love that it's there and I like that I can go get lost in it And um, for certain nights out or go see a movie or whatever. What oh things that people do around other humans. Well but at some point I want to be away from the humans.
1: Let me segue this back into video games right? because I was talking to my partner yesterday and I was saying nothing makes me appreciate video games and media in general more Mm. than doing things with people and getting exhausted socially (laughs) every time I go to like a big music thing or a big night out I wake up the next day maybe a little hungover Mm. maybe not hungover Mm. thinking I can't wait to play some video games so all the way back from Leeds yesterday I was thinking I can't wait to get home and play some video games (laughs) I can't wait to watch some movies I can't wait to not have to speak to anyone
0: yeah we're going to cover a couple things here. We've got a few news items to get to because this is the wind of where we go through the latest video games, the latest talking points in the industry. Um, but we're going to talk about some stuff that we're playing. Games have kicked back in. See if Stars is out today. Wow. Um, my most anticipated game of the year. I bought it I, I, I bought it on Switch, the one system that doesn't give me a free version of it, so I bought it. Yeah, I want to make crazy. sure that Sabotage Studios get their money. That's
1: good, man. And by their all band. accounts, you know, I know you've not played it yet, but no. I saw the reviews for it. were absolutely insane.
0: Woo-hoo! 10 out of 10. Five stars across the board. The demo was incredible. Go play it. It's free. Free, it's lush. Um, but yeah, I also downloaded it on PlayStation. Why not? Why, Why not it on every system? I mean, I'm gonna play it on Switch when I'm on the train. Get it on Game Pass as well. Get it on Game Pass as well. I might actually do that and take a photo just for the sake <laughs> of it. Um, but yeah, See if Stars is out, Armored Core is out, Ford Solace is out, Spider-Man's out soon, Starfield's out soon, Gates out soon on consoles. There's a lot to get to. Um, but we'll start with stuff that we're playing and then we'll get to some news items. And um, tell me about Armored Core Fires of Rubicon.
1: It's an armored core game. I'll tell you what. does you that, that mean for to better someone or worse. like me?
0: It's um because I'll say what, right, right now, even though like I just asked you a question, I'll cut you off. Yeah, I did not realize, or rather I did realize, how few people are talking about it. Like, yeah. when Elden Ring came out, you couldn't move for social media posts about Elden Ring. into an effing soul talking well, about Armored the, Core. The, the,
1: the beauty and the drawback of Armored Core 6 is that it is an incredibly niche game. It's mm. an incredibly niche experience, and considering how big From Software have got, it is a little bit surprising, both in a good and bad way, how few caveats they've made for the mainstream of <laughs> Armored Core 6. Like, if you wanted a true sequel, there have, of course, been changes, some popular, some not so popular, judging mm. on the Reddit, mm. um, you will get them. But this isn't like a big kind of cross appeal from software game. I don't think personally, it's nowhere near the level of Elden Ring in terms right. of it. It's, it being like this talking point or this access point for what they do best. And I think partly, part of the reason why is that Armored 6 is a good game, but for me, it's not a great game. And right. that is partly because of the stuff I don't necessarily like about the genre. If you don't know what, this game is, I'll explain it to you right now. It's essentially like a mech building action game. Mm-hmm. You are taking on these kind of odd case style missions that only last a few minutes okay. if you are... Um, you know, not getting killed over and over again. They're quite basic. It's mm. destroy a bunch of other robots. It's press triangle if you're playing on PlayStation 2, um, you know, activate some points across the map, and then you're done. But the beauty is and the purpose of those small missions is to build a mech that gets you through those areas as mm. efficiently as possible. And the amount of customization you have available to you is crazy. Like, you can build right. whatever mech you imagine. If you want it to be a big bruiser tank with low mobility, you can do that. If you want it to be a, a Gundam or something, you can, can I put a blade
0: that. on my wrist?
1: You can put many blades Get on your in. wrist. And the, the, the whole kind of point is, like... Making a build that suits your playstyle, but also finding a build that defeats the boss of a stage.
0: How's something. the difficulty? I, I've bought this game, but I haven't started playing it yet. I literally bought it because it's from Soft. I know yeah. nothing about Armored Core at all other than the couple of visual references from Armored Core 2. Um, so I'm just going into this because it's FromSoft. And so it's, but like I said, I'm not seeing anybody talk about it or mention it that much, other than occasionally people say that it's extremely hardcore. Um, hardcore, do you think that it uh, it holds up as a FromSoft game? Or is this, should be, should this be approached with a different mentality? I
1: think it should be approached with a different mentality. Like, y- none of your skills from the other FromSoft <laughs> games are going to be transferable here. Like, right. the, the pace of the gameplay is so fast. Like, even if you're in one of the slow mechs, like, you're going to be attacked with a load of projectiles, mm. lots of enemies on screen... At once. It's very fast paced. It's very kinetic. It's very colourful. Have you died um, a lot? Not really, but okay. this is what I was gonna get to next. Mm. Um you know, I've also kind of been keeping away from the chatter, but I do know that the the boss to end the first chapter is notorious already. Oh Thank again. You. That is such a sort of gatekeeping boss that demands you get to grips with the game systems mm. and is really punishing. Like it, From
0: Software tries to not put the hardest boss at the start of the game challenge.
1: Well, it's not at the start of the game, admittedly. <laughs> it's the end of the first chapter, so right. you'll go like an hour and a half before meeting this guy. Oh, you'll okay. at least get to, like, grips. It's not, you know, the asylum demon or anything like that. Right, so cool. you'll have unlocked a lot of different parts, but it is one of those bosses that you need. It's kind of like, it's closer to, I think, Ginichiro in a Sekiro. Right, okay. Where it's a boss where if you've kind of been fumbling through you need to learn the systems, mm. otherwise you are just going to get absolutely annihilated. And <laughs> annihilated, I did get for right. about 45 minutes, just over oh, and God. over and over again, um, until I kind of found a right, the right build to go and beat the boss.
0: How is uh, how is restarting in those moments when you just want to go again, and how is performance? Because something I did the rounds over the weekend was that the PlayStation 4 version runs better on PS5 than the PS5 version does. Oh, However, we're only talking about like um, single-digit dropped frames versus like a full locked 60 or whatever. Um, the resolution's always better on the PS5, but if yeah. you didn't notice at all, then that's good.
1: No, I didn't notice at all. Like I'd have have said, if you hadn't clarified there, that it's been like rock solid 60.
0: Maybe Still looks great. I've
1: I've noticed the occasional frame drop when you first load into the level Mm. for about three seconds, and then it kind of goes away. But it's always, at least for me so far, and I'm about about halfway through the game, Mm -hmm. um, it's held up during those kind of bigger action set pieces. And I think, going back to what you asked about, you know, like kind of restarting and checkpointing, that's kind of its biggest Achilles heel. Oh no! Because... In one way, it does kind of give you generous checkpoints. Like it will always checkpoint you right before a boss. You never corpse running or anything like that. Cool. The issue is because those bosses often require radically different builds to kind of take on, or at least you're incentivized to try different things to try new tactics. Mm. You can change your mech at any time when you die, but you can only choose from the part from the parts that you've already bought. So right. if you kind of realize that there is a weapon in the store, like the in-game store, like you know, using real money, of course, you're just mm-hmm. getting credits from doing missions. If you realize there's a there's a there's a weapon that might be useful, but you haven't bought it already or you didn't have enough money, you'll then have to quit all the way out of the mission and buy it just to go back into the mission get to where you were, and then, then you can finally okay. try it. So that's the only drawback. I wish they gave you the star in that menu. And that kind of was a killer for that really difficult chapter one right. boss because at that point I had unlocked some stuff, but not enough to radically change the way my um, mech played, so... Like
0: I say, mission length, like you're saying, is not that long, unless that particular boss fight one is longer, to get back to that starting point. That was it, it was still
1: frustrating enough, Mm. because you still have to go through, kind of, three areas of enemies, you have to fight a sub-boss, and then you get to the main boss, Mm. and there's a couple of cutscenes in between, and that's the longest mission I've done, by far, apart from maybe the opening one, but it was still, it was still a little bit frustrating, but still, when the game works, it's so fun, like, like I said, this kind of game isn't necessarily um to my tastes, almost. Like, I like the other Armored Core games, but I liked... Messing around in the customization screen more than I did actually playing. Like right. I spent most of the. My That's time what got doing me in. That. Like, yeah,
0: looking at all the different um, the paint, different ways you can paint the mechs and parts of the mech that you can change. And I was like, oh, the customization side of this is like yeah. incredible. Um, but I know that you rotate you, uh, you kind of build one ultimate mech, but you are kind of switching different playstyles and stuff. Um, because I was like, if I just spend like an hour painting every last piece of yeah. my mech, um, am I then going to swap it out like a few hours in?
1: Well, you can save those um, designs, uh-huh. I suppose, and you can match them to whatever new parts. Sweet. I think you you. Definitely will be matching parts out more often than every hour, I would say, at least for new weapons because you get so many weapons that you want to try. You know, whether you want to go in with Blades, or when it, whether you want to dual-wield shotguns Do you know what or I go in with? snipe or bazookas. I want to go in with Blades. There you go. Yeah. Blades are always good, and it looks spectacular. You know, you get those, like, lovely FromSoft vistas here and there. It's just, um, it's it doesn't quite have the cohesion to me from FromSoft's mm. other tiles. It's mm. not god-tier like I think they are, but it's such a radically different thing. I just sort of wish, I, I thought that I would go through this game multiple times with different builds. Right, but I don't think I'll do that. I've found the build that I like right now and mm. I'm having a lot of fun. Um, but I can't see myself going back to experiment, which the game mm. definitely encourages because it's certainly... Shorter than other from software games, and there's a lot of replayability in the. You can just choose previous missions to go through and try to get through them and get a better rank and more money. Do
0: you get uh, replaying? So that's okay. Two things: one, the length, like you're saying, you're saying you're saying already you're about halfway through, yeah. um, But it's almost intentionally designed to be like drop in, drop out, and quite a slow. It's 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 an amount of missions that are overall not that many, but you're replaying them so much that that gives you longevity. And the thing you're getting by replaying is money to get better gear to tackle the later missions. That's kind of. It, that's like, kind of it, right. yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, and that's a good loop. That's mm. like what a lot of um. Ah armored core fans (laughs) kind of come for that replayability that customizable aspect of I'm going to tackle this mission this way I'm going to tackle this mission that way I'm going to try this playstyle out that I've not dabbled with that is certainly part of the fun there's just something about um, having this combat system in this world because I don't find the levels themselves that um, necessarily interesting to explore Mm. there are some good ones and some spectacular set pieces where it feels grand it feels huge Mm. I think I saw a, a review or maybe a tweet describe it as the kaiju battles from Final Fantasy Sixteen but yes, fully playable that playable, might have yeah. been uh, Gene Park maybe from the mm-hmm. Washington Post who said that mm-hmm. and that you definitely get that sense here and there but submissions are a little bit too basic maybe but like I said you know if if this is if this is a your genre I think you'll have an amazing time. If so it's curious. not, I don't think it'll necessarily convince you. Like if you've seen the gameplay and mm. if you've seen the trailers, if you've watched some people, you know, stream it or whatever and you it hasn't necessarily been for you, I don't think I think you can kind of go off that gut instinct. Mm. I don't think the game itself is gonna persuade you when right. you pick it up.
0: Yeah, I'm curious about the building side of it, and then you said the the different variation when it comes to like weapons and mechanics, and like realizing that a mission is giving you grief and being like, oh, actually, I'm going to go back and equip this thing instead. But it's weird when you watch gameplay footage of it because it almost looks like it's on rails. Like people are flying through these levels and like taking like three dudes and they run past it. It's almost like Panzer Dragoon or something. Yeah, like where it's sort of like just like I said, just like getting through it at a a certain pace. Where I'm like, I guess you just get comfortable with the the speed of it and the level layouts, and you're rerunning that level so much that you're like, okay, it's three guys over there, then it's one guy, then it's this guy, and then whatever, and like that. That's all part of the the fun of it.
1: Absolutely, but even if you're not rerunning the levels, you'll get so familiar with the combat Mm. that you can just make that split-second decision to target this group of enemies with the rockets on your back or take out this guy with a close-range shotgun blast. And when it works, that is just so (laughs) magnificent. That's why I've been playing it more or less nonstop because Mm. it, it... feels great. You get some amazing feedback and it looks spectacular when you can Mm. pull off those flawless runs. This isn't a criticism and I'm saying it facetiously but it's also true. It hurts my hands to play because you've got four attacks essentially. Uh You've got the two triggers which control the uh, weapons in your hands and you've got two shoulder weapons as well, which use the bumpers. So I'm kind of holding this controller in a a claw (laughs) and in an unnatural kind of claw motion. You're using
0: your pointy finger and your middle finger as the top two?
1: Yeah, I'm using those two Uh like that. Uh but then I'm like kind of like having to maneuver around because like you said you're going so fast I'm boosting I'm pressing square to right, right. I'm pressing X to get some verticality and I'm floating above them so I'm kind of like <laughs> using all my fingers at all times right. and you're pressing everything at once as well uh, because you're encouraged to just wail on these people so mm. you're pressing all of the back buttons you're pressing all of the boost buttons just
0: crunch the whole controller yeah. over and over again
1: it is crazy it's a crazy way to play but like I said when it, uh, when it, when it, when it works and when you get those flawless runs like, of you beat one of those mm. sub-bosses that's giving you grief. It does feel amazing. So it does make it all worthwhile.
0: i tell you what I've realized there. One, why do more games not use the shoulder buttons for shoulder-mounted stuff? Even the Predator game didn't do that, and they had the shoulder cannon, so that's a pretty open goal that they could have done. There you go. And uh, overall, it's just like a general sort of like pretty positive overall. I know you've played past Armored Core stuff, so it seems like I I love like in more of an abstract sense, I love that someone as big as FromSoft on the run that they're on just went like, why don't we just use all this money to do the most direct thing that only we want to do, and it'll connect with these other people? But it's been about eleven years since the last Armored Core, which is great.
1: I think the core gameplay is incredibly solid. I think the boss fights are really spectacular. Mm. I love the feel of it. For me, the only letdown is, and I know this might sound weird... Um, to, when I refer to this as a FromSoft game yeah. but like it doesn't necessarily have the story that I want and it's way more story heavy than other right. FromSoftware games like you're always getting mission briefings you're always kind of like told which faction is which why you're doing what you are and it's just it's, you care about any of it that's it I don't care <laughs> about it you know what I mean I wish I cared about it more and I kind uh-huh. of wish the world design was a was a little bit more interesting because I find that does a lot of the heavy lifting for me from, mm. in, from software games it's like it's the enemy design it's the way these levels kind of kind of interlink mm. with each other. But this is very much, in, like I said, an Armored Core game. You know, it hasn't like, mm. it's not like a mech game in a Dark Souls kind of structure or anything like that. Mm. So, you know, if, if they did change it too much, the Armored Core fans would probably be a little bit pissed off that right. they did and were kind of bringing in too many elements from the other series. It's just, you know, if it had a stronger story, I'd probably be here, uh, you know, talking it up a little bit more. But it is that kind of arcade Approach it is that kind of bite size appeal, and I'm really interested to see what you think about it if you jump into it. Yeah,
0: it's such a tantalizing thing. Like I, uh, I came on. I mean, I played the old Tenchu games, like uh, whatever. But like when coming on board with FromSoft stuff with the original Dark Souls, and then obviously that run that they've been on has been phenomenal. I'm not going into this expecting Souls. I'm just not. But it's the same dev, so I'm just like it's just cool seeing what they've gone back to and stuff. And like yeah, the way you describe it and watching bits and pieces of the gameplay. I haven't watched any reviews. I haven't watched much in depth. I thought I'd just go off your general description um, and just the initial sort of trailers that were out there so yeah I bought it I've downloaded it I, uh, I'll be diving in at some point I've yeah. got Sea of Stars now there so I don't go. know what else I'm supposed to do with my life other than keep playing that um, what I've been playing is Fort Solace a game that I initially despised to my core that I deleted it yeah i then I was like, got back
1: to this oh, well I just
0: I spent the money I was like, I can't do this twice I bought Atlas Fallen um, horrible game terrible and I deleted that I was like this is, this is not worth my time and then I bought Fort Solace because I love Roger Clark and Troy Baker and I was like why are they the fact that they're just in this little small game and they were at the on the the Gamescom stage, and um, just randomly, you know, doing like I announced in the game, it kind of looked a bit dead spacey, but not really with combat. And I was like, I love the idea of a narrative-driven, slow burn horror that seems to be set on a different planet. Yeah. Humans are researching something; something goes wrong. Whatever, I'm all up for that. Starring Roger Clark, Troy Baker, and I always forget the woman's name, but it's uh, Julia Brown, and um, who's in it as well. Um, I'm not familiar with her stuff on TV, but. I was like, this is, all, this is a great recipe. This should be brilliant. And a game that is entirely brought down by its walking speed, by its movement <laughs> speed. You can't jog. You can't move faster. You can only do the slow. It's like the camp speed in Red Dead 2 for a whole game, regardless of what's kicking off, regardless of if you need to go save someone, just walking really slow. Just, <laughs> and I was just like, this is horrible. This is a horrible feel to a game. And when I first downloaded it, I think it was just because it was juxtaposed against that anticipation, that expectation of like of a of a cool. It looks gorgeous as well, and the motion capture is great. The facial animation is brilliant. And um, Roger Clark is like voice acting is great. Um, as is Julia Brown. I like their chemistry. Um, all that stuff is great and then because <laughs> basically you've kind of got this whole setup where it's a couple of engineers on um, like a research base and they get a warning sign from Fort Solace which is near them and then Roger Clark's character is like oh, I'll go check out what's going on um, and he hopped in his little uh, Mako style uh, you know vehicle and drives over there it's very moody it's very stylish you've got a really cool logo reveal I was like this is going to be awesome <laughs> in that tutorial walk speed just became the full thing. right? And you're trying to explore, you're trying to go from room to room and piece everything together and figure out what's happened at Fort Solace, but it's just so turgidly slow that it doesn't encourage you to explore. You actually end up thinking like, well, I just want the next story to be. I just want to know mm. the next thing. And because it takes its sweet effing time giving you anything of any propulsive nature to what's actually going on, you're not encouraged to go anywhere and um, because it's just going to take forever. You could waste five minutes just walking down a corridor getting stuck and awkwardly rotating around and coming back again and it was just one of those things where i was like oh this is horrible and i deleted it and i was like no i've spent the money i do want to know what the rest of the story is so i re-downloaded it and i was like fine i'll just accept what this is um, and i ended up flicking through parts of a, a playthrough to see like does he ever run in this game without like just opening for a little bit and watching little bits of gameplay to see if you can run you can't you walk mm. through the whole game but whatever and uh, so i just accepted it for what it was and i do Appreciate the world design. I like the, what they're going for. I definitely appreciate the fact that we've got this way smaller scale game dev wise, and they got put together in a couple of years. And I like the talent that's involved in it and everything. And I don't know. It's one of those things where I want to say that the slow burn pace does have a payoff because things do start to happen on inside Fort Solace and there are some good like visual reveals. Um, we you know things in camera reveals and things like that that are like aided by the fact that nothing's happening. So a spike of anything on screen is like, oh my god, there's a there's a thing. Yeah. Um, it's just too slow for its own good. I don't know why. I wonder if it's because they need to render the level at a certain pace or something. Um, but it just it just needs the thing is as well, it's only about three hours long. Yeah. Um if you let the character <laughs> run remotely faster, you might finish it in like half an hour. Like it's just there's very little here. So it's kind of all about slow slowly exploring Fort Solace as there's Dude, um, who's I think he's called Jack, who um, is like just likes a beer every now and then. He's quite a slow guy. He's uh, Julia Brown's character is making fun of his belly and him drinking all the time and everything. There's definitely a way for that to work. But over time, it is too slow. It's
1: interesting. I'm really excited to get a feel for it. Because Mm. when you describe it like that, like you did at the end, Mm -hmm. like you're kind of, you're on this station, you're on this planet, and you're just sort of living as this character. I like that idea. I like that kind of headspace that it could theoretically put you in. But if it is just to the point where it is frustrating, then I can see that becoming a... A bit of a it problem. Mean,
0: I, don't, I, I know you've not played that many point and clicks, like the old 90s point and clicks and stuff, but there was always like a, a thing in those games where you click on something, your character walks towards it, and you click on something else and you walk towards that thing. Most of those games, if you click again, you'll run. Right. And it was just that thing of, like, I get the pace you're going for, and this has a point and click mentality to it or a, or a general sort of setup to it. But it's just, and they've made so many weird things interactive. There's a fully working Rubik's Cube in this where you can like pick it up and rotate every bit of it to like solve it and stuff. Um, and just different, um, like, uh, computers to interact with. And, like, you can sit and just have a beer where it's all beautifully modeled, where you're yeah. just drinking a beer inside this station. And I'm like, okay, like, sure, animation fidelity, sweet. But, like, you've set up this idea that there's a there's an emergency call going on. Um, and later on in the story, we've established that there are things to investigate. Why are we still being so slow? Like, mm. there's no reason to indulge in that level of animation, like, you know, it's like, it just doesn't make sense. Like, other than you just kind of showing off, like, hey, we motion captured this stuff. Yeah. It's just little bits like that where it doesn't really like knit together as tightly as it could. I mean, I saw it got like two out of five on things like Eurogamer or something. Totally. Um, and it is that thing where it's very easy to hate because it's so much potential just being undone by its own design. Um, But at the same time, I'm glad it exists. I support New IP wholeheartedly. I'm glad the Atlas Fallen devs have my money. I'm never going to finish that game, um, but I still want them to... I still want to champion New IP, and I do want to do that with Fort Solace. Um, I'm glad it exists, but at the minute... (laughs) I want to wait until I finish it before I give holistic thoughts, but it it makes a horrible first impression.
1: Man, I really want to try it because like you said there, you know, I have not played many point and clicks, but I have played a lot of walking simulators, Mm. a lot of really slow and lethargic walking simulators, (laughs) which I really enjoyed. You know, everybody's gone to the Rapture. It's a great game, but it's a slow game and you cannot move as fast as you might want to, especially Mm -hmm. when you're going around this like, quite open town mm-hmm. area especially towards the beginning so with that in mind i wonder whether i'll in, in knowing that going in and having those expectations maybe i'll, I'll benefit my playthrough of it but it yeah I'm, I'm intrigued because when you when you describe it there i kind of sit back and think i can go for that and go for like yeah. a slower placed slower paced animation priority game where i am just living in this world i am you know going step by step and kind of appreciating that level of detail mm-hmm. but I don't know some you can tell when it's Purposeful. You can tell when it's intentional. You can tell totally. when it adds to the atmosphere. And I guess that's what I'll have to see for myself. Totally.
0: And things like in Rapture's case, like that game's one of my favorite. Walking Sims is one of my favorite narrative-driven games. Like that slow pace only adds to the sort of dream-like quality of that thing. Obviously, there's reveals towards the end of what's going on and everything, um, where it all feels part of a whole. And even that game had a sprint button, even though it barely made you move any yeah. faster. But it did a little bit. Um, this is just, as soon as you start moving, it's literally from the second you move the stick to move your character, there's a delay to it. And there's a, there's a weird kind of just oily kind of feel to it where you're dragging this husk of a dude around and that can be entirely intentional um but at the same time it doesn't necessarily feel it it feels like it just needed a little bit more tweaking and then because the pace of the movement is just so consistently slow it's just like oh my god this feels horrible to move mm. um and then it's and then you're sort of layering on how really like threadbare the story is like where i am now and um, there's four chapters overall um i'm a little bit i think i'm about 10 15 but it's really short so i'm about 10 15 minutes into chapter three um, things are happening in the story, but for the love of God, no one wants to run anywhere, and so it's just—it's just one of those things where. Um yeah, it gets in its own way.
1: You know what? I respect it. You know what? You nah. might It might, might be terrible to uh, control, but I always think if I was in a video game, these guys are jogging all over the place. <laughs> I'm not jogging anywhere. I, even if there's like monsters breathing down my neck, and yeah. I mean, Call of Duty, I, I'm walking. I might walk at a fast pace, but I'm walking.
0: Well, even then, you'd be doing faster than what this dude's doing because <laughs> it's just the, the lackadaisical quality to the way that this guy approaches an emergency beacon is uh, is very much nothing. And then when you get inside the facility, it's the same. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll hopefully try and finish that before I start to see if Stars cause was, oh my god the amount of games um, and I'm, I'm still not sick of Final Fantasy I'll quickly throw in that Final Fantasy 5 is incredible I finished Amazing. that on Saturday um, I've played about 300-400 hours of Final Fantasies in a row 16, 6, 5, 4 and 1 and then I, I watched it, the Spirits Within movie as well. Yeah, that's nice, good. I'm a, little I'm a sick freak, but I had, a, I had a good time.
1: It's been the year of Final Fantasy, so <laughs>
0: indulge, man. I think I need to do Final Fantasy tactics. I also played a bit of Final Fantasy 12, 13, and I, I restarted 10. There you go. So sick. You know that meme where it's the, the, it says Sicko's on the guy's shirt and he's like clawing at the. Oh, the yeah, like. Thing. Ha ha ha, yes. yes yeah, that's, yeah, I'm entirely that guy. Yeah? And I'm just like, oh, give me CF Stars, give me more of it. I just, <laughs> just back it in. If it's a wagon, just back it onto me. I'm fine. Um, you can offload it onto me. Um, but let's do some new stuff. Um, we had Jeff Grubb speaking on his Games Mess Mornings show, saying that Dragon Dreadwolf was originally planned for September 2023, um, but apparently it's been pushed back and is now vaguely planned for summer 2024. I don't believe that. I mean, I believe his reporting, right. but I don't believe in it. There's a million years that they would have had Dragon Age ready for this year. Right. But with the state that Bioware's in. Um, I noted down here as well that obviously last week we had Bioware suffering various layoffs. They've just lost about 50 staff. Um, they did say on their official blog that they're you know committing to Dragon Age. That it was all for the betterment of the games overall. They're committing to Dragon Age. They're committing to the next Mass Effect. Um, I haven't had faith in Bioware for... A decade mm. or something, um, I just, I, I would be amazed if they get anything out personally. Really? Like, to obviously separate the reality of, like, there's obviously the reality of people losing their jobs. That's not what I'm talking about. I mean, I am yeah. addressing that, but I just mean the reality of Bioware as an entity. Yeah. They've not been Bioware for forever. EA have sliced them to death, and I just, I'll be amazed if we get anything at this point.
1: I've got to hope. I really do. So, I really have to hope that they're, they're cooking something interesting up there. Mm. And I like to think that, in my head, the longer it takes, the, the better it'll be. You You've got to hope that if they just did push it out for September 2023, mm. it might not be as good as if it does, if it does drop in September 2024. It sounds like they've got a lot of undoing to do with that project. <laughs> uh-huh. And by that I mean if you go back and read all of the reports from pretty reliable insiders mm-hmm. and journalists. You know, they they talk about how Dragon the Dragon Age 4 was initially going to be more live service-based, yes. and then they've rolled a lot of that back. I think the last report I read on the game was saying that even though it is now a single-player focused game, a lot of the systems that they developed for the live service part of it were still there, so it was kind of this amalgamation. (laughs) And I I just imagine they're rolling a lot of that stuff back, trying to refine its identity after perhaps a a rocky start and kind of hopefully going to do... Good by the franchise because mm. I think you. Well, I hope that you know they, they they know the kind of situation they're in, or EA knows the kind of situation mm. they're in, and realizes that you know single player games people enjoy them, RPGs yeah. people enjoy them. Look at Elden Ring, look at Baldur's Gate, look at The Witcher Three. You mm. know, BioWare used to be contenders for the for that crown, and then oh, I would say they, had they it. were diluted. Well, mm. yeah, yeah. Some would say they absolutely had it, mm. and then they lost it. So mm-hmm. I re, I they, I've got to hope that. The potential for what those games could be, mm-hmm. have, is, is going to be realized by the people in charge. That's it. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Before we go any further, I want to talk to you about today's sponsor, Masterclass.
0: thing, I just, I mean I remember reading, I don't, I'm not a huge Dragon Age fan, I played quite a lot of Inquisition but I didn't finish it and I've only done the very beginning of Dragon Age 1, I came to that game way too late, I think if I played it back when it came out I'd have been blown away by it but it just wasn't for me when I came to it later um, I remember like Mark Laidlaw leaving Bioware and like obviously Casey Hudson, Casey Hudson has been back and forth, the doctors left Bioware the original founders and everything, it just feels like they're all over the place, their last game being Anthem they committed to fixing that and then they couldn't whether it was EA or whatever um, I just, like I said I'll just be amazed if they get any over the finish line i think it reminds me a lot of the state of assassin's creed for the last few years where it's like you've lost the the face of assassin's creed after patrice Desley left yeah and you sort of had this deviation of like, okay we'll do this other version of it and they just in ubisoft's case they just threw bodies at it and let's just do a different type of assassin's creed for a while but they lost the uh the futurism thread thing they lost all the subject 16 stuff and everything else so i just i don't know i'll be like i guess i'll be amazed if they can find that identity without any of the core people who helped forge it in the first place. No,
1: I do get that. You know, we talk about, like, you know, key figures leaving other uh, companies. I mean, just recently, I think maybe even over the weekend, the mm. VP of writing, I want to say, left Rockstar after 16 years. Right. And, you know, you, you sort of see that. You sort of see these people leaving. I, again, optimistically and hopefully, you've got to assume that these franchises and these studios can continue to function and continue mm. to be good um, after losing the key creatives. And I'm not talking about the 50 people laid off here, by the way. I'm not no. saying it's actually fine that they uh, got laid off. Not at all. No, no. I'm just talking off. about like previously, like you said, when the, when the heads left, you know. Yeah. You've got to, I, I like to think that like those studios are bigger than the one person in charge mm-hmm. of them. Like, we've seen studios kind of change and evolve sometimes for the, for, for the, for the better over the past few years. Like mm-hmm. you look at something like Naughty Dog right now and like a lot of the key creatives there kind of came and went. A lot of key personnel have changed, but they're still producing really good games, you know? Yeah, it
0: was just, there was that report from, I think it was Kotaku. there was a couple of different outlets that did it, but there was the Anthem thing, same with Mass Effect Andromeda, there was like the, the wider, the, the the term Bioware magic, how like internally it's like referred to as like towards the end of development, things all just magically come together, and how that was proven wrong twice in a row with Mass Effect Andromeda and Anthem. Yeah. Um, and the, the warring sort of... Um, like ideologies from the different uh, teams within Bioware that they weren't able to get on with each other and everything else. I just, I can only blame EA, but I like, lo- you'd think back on the last 10 years of Bioware versus the last 20 years of Bioware or more than that, that shift is so noticeable. And I remember when they got acquired, it was just all the, the memes showing like Bullfrog and all the different EA, the different teams that EA had killed over the years, hoping it would never happen to Bioware. Yeah. Um. And at the minute they obviously recommitted to Dragon Age and Mass Effect. They put Dragon Age out there without EA Say So to sort of get the word out there for Dreadwolf. And it's just, yeah, like you said, you just hope they can do something with it. Um, all I have for them is hope, so maybe. But yeah, next year for Dragon Age, anyways, the, the overall thing. Um, next thing down is that according to Reliable Leaker the Snitch, and um, it's written up by Push Square as well, God of War Ragnarok's DLC is about 60% done. Yes. Which is pretty good. I, I What the hell are they going to do with this DLC? That's I, the question. What was the thing? I uh, i was trying to think of the major plot point. You know what we were doing? The one, we did a one-hour uh, story breakdown, and we talked about, obviously, various story threads that we wanted to see going into Ragnarok that were or addressed. One of the major things is the who blew the horn thing from God of War 2018 mm. that they didn't address in Ragnarok. And then Cory Barlog was like, oh, that's a story for another time. Is this the other time,
1: man? I a lot of people get caught up in that.
0: Who blew the horn if, DLC? If
1: that's never answered, I'd be fine. No. If that was never ever addressed, I'd be like, okay, this story still it's works. It's the a main thing. I don't need to know about that. <laughs> I, know, I know, know a lot of people really care, and I respect it. But I don't. If it was who blew the horn DLC, I think I'd say it's a
0: major plot hole. It ain't,
1: man. It's like to me, it's like finding out why Han Solo's called Han Solo. No, it's not. <laughs> it's not at all. Nah, but I, I, like I said, I respect people who want it. I know a lot of people. People like that. Uh, Mythology is more watertight than I do uh, in terms of the, <laughs> the lore and who did what and why did this happen? I,
0: I wouldn't care either if they didn't set it up. Like, right. you, you specifically made that scene. Yeah. You had the noise in the background, who blew the horn, Kratos and Atreus talk about it. Yeah. It's clearly a thing. Oh, and a then thing. they just ditch it. Yeah, they absolutely do. Because you know, there was that thing, I mean, we talked about this a lot over the, the last, you know when, we did, when we've covered this game, that the conversations ended up being a trilogy and then it became a two-parter and what happened because of that. And maybe the DLC is just something else that would have been in there. Yeah. Um, maybe some other thread that they ended up ditching for the sake of making Ragnarok tighter, but could be its own little side story. I also, I the thing, I wonder whether this is a director's cut type thing or, or whatever, like Sony has that precedent with Ghost of Tsushima and Death Stranding. Like, what do you want to see, if it's a completely open question, what do you want to see from Ragnarok DLC? I hope
1: it's like a Lost Legacy style DLC. Mm. Maybe with new characters, I'd like to see what Atreus does uh, at right. the end of the game, because obviously, he, in spoilers, but he's he's got more, sto- more stories to come with Atreus, is all I'll say. The, at the very, very end at yeah, the very right, very okay. end
0: yeah like the classic us fashion I don't want to see that right okay well you hate to trace. The I, do, I don't want to play as a trouble I'm not buying this out to play as a trace. No, but I don't want to know what he does I like that it's metaphorical. he goes off he's yeah. a child leaving the home he just yeah. goes and has a lovely little life
1: no I, I can respect that as well I'm kind of tantalized by it because mm. there are so
0: many realms out
1: there and it seems like you know I don't know you could, you could jump into more Kratos stories I suppose maybe you know mm. I, well there's so much time stuff going on mm. with Ragnarok that it's like you can kind of pick any thread and mm. kind of go with it you can take this character put them there you know investigate characters who maybe died who maybe aren't around anymore mm. like there's so much scope there's so much mythology <laughs> hey. to uh, the franchise that's established in the first game and the second game that you know i think if you played as i always forget her name faye i think it is yes yeah. wife and atreus's mother yes you obviously get a bit more about her in ragnarok that's very tantalizing cool. i would yeah. like to have to, to to play as her, I'd mm-hmm. like to play as a trace. I'd like to play more Kratos, of course. And um, so, kind of whatever they give me. The, the the Ragnarok ends in such a way where I just think it's uh, the possibilities are almost endless, and oh, I'm just if intrigued they, to see where they go.
0: If they, I'm just trying to think of the. You almost have to do the. or do you have to do the one take camera thing? It's like if they do that, then that, does that then limit them dropping into playing as someone who's you know in um, like step beforehand who's working for Odin or something? Um, and what's that like? What's his life? What's the, that side of the realm like? Yeah. kind of thing. Um, but if you play as Faye and set up all the things that she did, all the things, all the, um, is it Jotunheim, all the, the giants and the history of those yeah. things, you could flesh out that side of things. But yeah, if you're going to stick to one shot, then maybe that makes it a lot harder.
1: Well, I think, funnily enough, I think they will stick to the one shot thing, mm. at least for the DLC. I would like, I've said this before, but I'd like to see it ditched for the next God of mm. War game. I'd like to go back to a, a grander scope with um, a more wide shots yeah. to show the scale of the world. But I think Ragnarok with its bigger scope, treated the one-shot quite elegantly because mm. you're obviously jumping between lands and characters in that game. You're mm. often switching from Atreus to Kratos and the way that the camera handles that, I always thought was really elegant by incorporating these seamless transitions. So yes. I think you can definitely like um, go to other characters and other times while keeping that one-shot DNA because they, they did it so well cinematography in the second mm. game. So yeah, they can do that again, I reckon.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I, it's just because they've not done God of War DLC ever, I don't think think off the top of my head, like we've got the little side stories that became the that are the PSP games, um, which are really, really good little side games. They're more just about when um, Kratos was in service of Ares and little missions he went on and things like that. Um, but yeah it's interesting sort of going, like, okay, what little addendum do we want to put in here? Um and then assumedly they are I'm gonna I'm gonna assume that they're pulling from what would have been the part three yeah. or what would have been, you know, plans for both of those games before they got crunched together. What other essential thread were you gonna put in there that you didn't have time for? And blow the bloody horn, lads.
1: Yeah well that's why I think they might stick with Norse mythology at mm. least. You know, because it just oh, yeah, yeah. feel like they're moving on from that after the next game. Like you said, they've mm. said they they wanted to do it as a two parter because they didn't want to focus on one story mm. for fifteen years. So <laughs> I wonder if we get one final DLC that yeah, maybe wraps up some of those you know loose ends in the in the Norse realm before mm. we get something completely different in another era mm. with the next you know proper sequel.
0: I just think Corey saying it's a story for another time is just yeah. weird because yeah. there was something else he tweeted at the time as well, and I get the absolute. Herculean feat of getting this over the finish line, but it did feel like that became this like afterthought. And like you're saying, like you probably speak for a lot of people, saying I just don't care at this point, which is fine. I don't actively care, but it is a very obvious plot hole, like or, or a plot point that wasn't addressed yeah. or whatever. Um, so I like the idea of them going back to that, but it's um, they can do whatever. It's gonna play, it's gonna play <laughs> beautifully anyway. And um, the next news um, new thing down is Xbox era's Nick Baker saying that gears of war six will uh, further evolve what five started uh, and be more open world. And um, this has been doing the rounds in terms of uh, other quote that he gave that would mean that the next gears game is fully open world but he's clarified it over on twitter just saying that he meant that it would evolve the idea of what gears 5 was doing which in itself was like an open world template anyway like you had you had a vehicle you could stop at places and do different combat encounters and everything I think Gears is dead, but I don't know where you come down.
1: I think Gears is more alive than ever. (laughs) Gears 5 was the breath of fresh air I needed in in this franchise. Mm. After not really enjoying Gears 4 at all, I thought I played it way too safe. I didn't like the characters that they introduced.
0: I'd probably back that, yeah. I thought
1: Gears 5 was the antidote to that. It made people like JD Phoenix way more interesting. It opened up. By killing them off. Well, not necessarily. <laughs> uh, well, it depends if you chose to kill him off, Scott Telford. Well, at the very, it. very
0: beginning, they like they do that thing where they like wipe him out and change his look and everything. That's it's what like, I mean. They yeah, make him a war
1: criminal. Yeah, they make him a war criminal. You know what I mean? It's like <laughs> incredible. They're like, okay, this guy's bland. Let's give him all of these depths and all of these (laughs) shades of gray and all of these morally um, questionable actions Mm -hmm. after he was just Marcus Phoenix's son in the first game. And he's just like the clean cut hero. (laughs) I I personally love that. Um, But I also like where they took the gameplay. Funnily enough, after talking about God of War and God of War Ragnarok, mm. to me, Gears 5 feels like God of War in that you have those open areas, right, and yeah. you're kind of traversing them in a similar way. You have this sort of same way to it. Mm. I just thought, in a good way, they were very similar, and I'd like to see that double down on again with Gears 6, because I love the original trilogy, but yeah. I was so over that style by the time we got to Gears 4, and even replaying them around the time of Gears 5, I enjoyed them, but I don't need more Gears like that. I'm not enough I've had my fill, and I like the direction they took. Five, I want to see more of the uh, the, the world kind of imploding on itself. You know, you had the big storm system in Five, and I want to see that. That could be cool Mm -hmm. if it was more dynamic in the open world areas. Mm -hmm. I want to see a few more vehicle sections. I know that might be controversial as well, but I like the direction
0: it took. Mine was just like with gears it's like it, it like I said, it's interesting because you have the original trilogy is so definable and so unbelievably influential, and then that huge gap between four and then yeah j d was just like their attempt at like a Nathan Drake or whatever, and largely fell flat for me, the best part about gears now is is the old crew like you re, what is it like revisiting Marcus phoenix, the idea of giving of him having a child. Um and just the old crew was just the best part of four and five. Mm. Like it's just for me, it's like ditch the new generation and just have the old dudes Ooh. and uh, and let them sort of go through things. Like one of the most heartfelt, but it's a weird thing where Gears' identity has always had that underlying um like strain of sadness that's in there. Obviously, the original reveal trailer. But the depending on like you said, depending on what you do with the choice at the end of Gears Five, you can get one of the most emotional scenes between Marcus and JD, or Marcus mourning JD if you choose to like let him die. Um, and I think that's the thing that lets gears be gears. Like it, it was this big bro macho shooter, but it also had this like grounded human bit in the at the core of it. Yeah. Um, that they occasionally went back and forth on how sincerely they took it. But it's like, yeah, I'm just curious what you do with like these old warriors who are past it, and they metaphorically embody the franchise. And can they be worth you know coming back to again? And mm. can you tell a story that is genuinely fresh that way? Yeah. And um, that's a bigger challenge, I think. But it's like those are the characters that I care about. Ah, fair um, enough. I still really like Kat. Kat's awesome, yeah. but I wanted them to. Do more with that. Um, Dell, I thought, was just just nothing. Just a <sighs> random... You could have AI-generated his dialogue. It was terrible.
1: In the fourth game, I would agree. But right. I think in the fifth game... I don't know. In, the, in, in number five, I thought everyone got more interesting shades to the mm. point where... I would have been fully agreeing with you if it was only Gears 4 you know by the right. end of that game when you do get the old guard, and they're just so much more interesting they're just you have so much more of a connection mm. to them I'd be like yeah pie off these new characters <laughs> I don't care about those but like like I said the story of 5 just managed to elevate them and obviously I don't think they're as good mm. but I think they're definitely worthy of leading this um, sort of new trilogy and I quite like seeing you know Marcus Phoenix from this different perspective almost yeah. you know like y- you don't get to play as him like he did before, but it almost means like that you get to see him through someone else's eyes, and I'd quite like them to do something similar with Kratos in the next game, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. For as much crap as Metal Gear Solid 2 gets, I think Hideo Kojima was onto something by Putting him in the shoes of a new character and letting them see Solid Snake from an uh, outsider's perspective as this like legendary mythical figure, and I, I like that they did that with Marcus and the bed and everyone else.
0: One of the best scenes, as I was in gaming history, or like one of the best scenes in Metal Gear Two, is when you come across that room where all the bodies have already been taken out, and you just see Snake go away in the elevator. Like, yep yeah. that's that's how proficient that dude is. Um, and like you said, that was Kojima's entire point. You're not going to get that perspective unless you play as someone else. And um, my thing with Gears Five though is that they tried the open world element. Down- they did do the open world elements, but the rewards weren't there. Like it was like, you could stop and do those little combat encounters, but the things you would get, if you battled through everybody, it was, it was nothing. It was just sort of like another set of grenades or something. It wasn't, wasn't anything that you needed. Um, And I always wanted them to do a, a, give me a reason to take the skiff thing out, the skiff vehicle out and, and, do more with the the physics of that vehicle. Give it like a boost system, a momentum system, something that means I'm not just going forward and then stopping and doing an arbitrary um, cover shoot. Because that's the thing that you were saying about being sick of the formula. That was it became that to me. Interesting. It was like I'm going to pull up. I'm going to do a cover shooter uh, thing. I'm going to get an arbitrary reward, and then I'm going to go to the story mission where actual things will happen. Right. And it's like I want you to make that world m- make more sense or make more uh, be more valuable. Um, if you're going to pivot in that direction, rather than just be, we're doing open world stuff because that's what the kids like. I'm just like, make it make sense.
1: It worked for me because, yeah, while there weren't those gameplay rewards necessarily at the end of those areas, mm. it was the first Gears game, and again, maybe another controversial or wrong take, I don't know, <laughs> where <laughs> don't it felt wrong. like the world existed. Like, it felt right. like I was uncovering mm. um, its history in a really natural and interesting way. It felt like people lived there mm-hmm. in a way mm-hmm. that I never I never got that sense from the original Gears trilogy. I there yep. were like you know there were cities, there were soldiers, but I never got the sense that it was almost a world worth saving. And mm. you know I didn't know who lived there, I didn't know the stories of those people. And to me, when you were doing those kind of side activities in Gears Five, you got a taste of that. You got yeah. some like notes from the people who had their villages raided or whatnot, how were they mm. living in this new world? How are they putting up with the storms? It just felt a bit more cohesive and a mm. bit more brought together, a bit more human, I suppose, yeah, yeah. overall.
0: I think for me, it's like they brought in in uh, Gears 4, and then I've had it in 5 where you could like take cover and then leap straight over instead, or you can grab enemies for if they're also taking cover on the other side of, of cover itself. More stuff like that, like give me more moves that let me like maybe do a, a shoulder, shoulder barge like, over the top, or just things that like add to the core fundamentals of what made Gears Gears because I think the industry has moved on from cover shooting yeah. but I, I don't personally think it needs to I think that you can still do a really good, fun, kinetic cover shooter it just needs them to be innovative with those foundational mechanics Yeah, yeah like I transition totally between agree. different cover points or, you know, there's just a way to make that work and the industry's just gone like ah, cover shooters at <laughs> 2008, we're done Honestly, after playing One to Dead
1: arguably not a good example <laughs> of a cover shooter but I realised how sort of antiquated that gameplay style was oh, yeah, playing yeah. it where it was saying, you know get into cover or you will die I was like, no, this is—we've moved beyond this. I don't need this anymore. No, that's he is true. Fortunately, a good version of that. But yeah. I'd like to see them mix it up. I'd like to see them um, incorporate more elements that benefit maybe a more aggressive um, in-field play style, mm-hmm. while still retaining the you know classic classic well, pop and shoot gears formula.
0: Yeah, yeah, because it's like, well, even uh, Naughty Dog do a bit of cover shooting in The Last of Us. Like, yeah. if, if you're if you get rumbled and everyone's coming after you, you do get to have those little encounters where you're shooting through like little holes in the windows in the cars or whatever it is or shooting someone's legs out or something or planning ambushes and it's all very it all flows so much better um because the animation is there and your mind is thinking of those possibilities because you're not just rooted to the spot it's like yeah. there's clearly more you can do with a cover shooting idea
1: that's it you're yeah. not rooted to the spot are you like i love the Last of Us 2's combat system, and a part of that appeal is, like, finding cover where there uh, probably shouldn't be, you know, mm. like, diving into this tall grass, like, diving behind this car, getting mm. underneath the car, getting on top of the car, <laughs> jumping from above, you know, like, there's so, such a sense of max verticality. Max Payne 3, baby. Yeah, Max Payne 3. <laughs> a sense of verticality there, a sense of movement, like like you said, that just kind of, like, flows really well, and I'd like to see gears not get that, but, like, have that... Uh, Better floor pads.
0: Yeah, that was that's my thing with. If I bring it all the way back to Gears Five, it was that rigidity of the original trilogy and an open world, and and then various open world elements bolted onto that, but not really changing up the fundamentals that much. Other than that, you had a few abilities that you could call in with your android guy, but it didn't really do that much. Um, final news thing is an interview in GQ with Bethesda's Todd Howard, and um, talking about the Indiana Jones game. I didn't even realize he was producing this. I must yes. have missed that. Yeah. Um, apparently it's like a dream project. He like loves Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's his favorite film or something. Um, and in this GQ thing, um, he just gives an update on. The- the, the game itself, um, saying that, <laughs> to, uh, referencing machine games, and how far along the project's coming, um, he says, they've got the whole Nazi killing thing down, they're doing <laughs> a really great job. So that kind of implies that there is a gameplay system there, and it's further along than like, I mean, the, a teaser trailer would have you think. Yeah. Uh, speaking of things that are dead though, Indiana Jones, well, like just she, who's she, caring about that? Uh,
1: well, I think, I don't know, tell me if Todd I'm Howard wrong, but I think, you know, you maybe. I'm more interested in the relevancy of an IP in Mm. terms of, you know, like when we talk about Suicide Squad, you're like, who cares? Yes. I don't really mind that as long as the game is good. As long as, like, they want to make it for a reason. And it seems like, you know, this is Todd Howard's dream game in a way. I always wanted to work on an Indiana Jones game. And to me, that makes it worthwhile rather than someone saying, get
0: us – IP the game you know well the thing is though like if if this was Todd Howard's producing a game by Machine Games and it's assumedly a third person action game with whip based combat and melee and it's inspired by Indiana Jones because Todd Howard loves the movie I would be infinitely more excited about it because what comes with brands and IP are rules and we have to we can't have the character doing this and we can't have this doing this and we needed to the vehicle for the brand overall and it's just like it it just has this whole manufactured molded thing that you wouldn't have if it was a new IP or a new idea and so it's one of those things where, like, I just, I mean, look at the most recent Indiana Jones movie. I don't know anyone who saw it. I didn't see it, but it bombed. And it yeah. just seems like that was a n- just another one of those things. Just stick to the rules, do another one of those things. And it was boring AF. And right. so I hope there's enough to this that keeps it innovative and, and, and feeling really, really good.
1: Totally. I mean, I haven't seen the new Indiana Jones. It's not even necessarily my franchise, but mm. I always like to believe you can do interesting things with established IP. I hope you know? so. I always look at Spider-Man 2018 as taking a few risks and, you know, that... Turned out really well. Star Wars Jedi Survivor earlier this year. Mm. Yeah, the game was a buggy mess, but its story <laughs> was really, really good. Yeah, the definitely. The yeah. characters it introduced were really fascinating. You know, I think as long as you're going to these IPs for the right reason, I'll always take them. You know, right. when it does feel manufactured, where it does feel like the Avengers, where it didn't even come across as if the developers cared about this mm. IP or wanted to do it <laughs> in the first place. That's when, yeah, I'd agree. I'd rather see an original idea. But, mm. you know, I like when IPs are a bit bold, or they have like a unique twist to them, or Mm -hmm. you might get like the best ever version of Indiana Jones as a thing, in video game form, and mm-hmm. that's really cool. You might come out of that game thinking, "I don't need the mo- movies anymore. This is better than the movies." you know Well, that's I mean. the thing, and
0: it's like because the nearest comparison in terms of a talking point for Indiana Jones is the movie. There's only you can only really go up from there. Um, but I just wonder. Like, I don't know if you played the old um, the Xbox games, the original Xbox games for Indiana Jones. No, um, me neither. But I, oh, maybe the. I forget the tomb of something. I forgot the name of the one. It was like so long ago. But I remember the um, screenshots of like fighting on top of buses and doing like an Indiana. Like, he's like the original Uncharted set piece yeah. and, and making that playable. And it's like, yeah, like, I guess it's like, what do you want from an Indiana Jones game at this point? Like, do they chase the Uncharted model? Is it a third person action game? Do they try a first person thing? Because that's more machine games bread and butter. Um, and then do you have whip combat and melee, like Chronicles of Riddick style or something? Mm. Um, I just wonder what they do for an Indiana Jones game. I remember being so like, okay, when they announced it. Yeah. And then now it's like, I just don't even know what I would get from that. I mean, I'm probably not going to play it. Clearly, right. Indiana Jones isn't for me as an IP. Yeah, but I'm just like mechanically, I don't even know what you would do to make it fresh.
1: Neither do I, and that's <laughs> why I quite am excited by right. it. You know, because I don't know what they're going to do. Is it going to be first person? Is it going to be third person? Like you said, there. Mm. You know, I can't imagine there's going to be. Is there going to be loads and loads of shooting in it? Like if you are Indiana Jones, like mm. you can, I don't know. I don't know. I he can't shoots see dudes him. with
0: na- knives. He d- that's his thing.
1: <laughs> I can't see him like killing two thousand Nazis over no. the course of the game. But maybe you get. Like a really cool hand-to-hand combat system in there, like you mm. said, incorporate the whip as well, incorporate some gun action. Maybe make it like Mad Max, where you do have a weapon, but mm. it's mostly fist fighting. It's mostly Ooh, if he he can car punch, chases, you know. Yeah, if
0: he can punch as heavily as, as Max does in Mad Max, there you go. Maybe you've got me in. Yeah, best haymaker in gaming history. In that
1: haymaker, someone into the propeller of a plane. You know, <laughs> do something like that. I, I, I'm intrigued by you know. I would like it to follow the Uncharted model, have that kind of mm. high octane action in exotic locations I would like to see some vehicular combat mm-hmm. like i mentioned there um i think you can really uh, tap into a bunch of different genres with the IP, but mm. what makes it particularly fascinating is I haven't played those 360 games, so I don't know what the precedent for this is even gonna be. Or one what
0: of them is on backwards compatibility. Uh, I'm forgetting the name of it, Emperor's Tomb, I think it is. Um, but yeah, one of them is on backwards compatibility. It's all uprised and everything. And it, it, I've played the very beginning of that, and it's like that like plays well enough for the time that it came out in. But yeah, the idea of doing like a really melee focused game where you focus on the the punches, the shaking the evil people thing, and you punch them into the propellers and through glass and everything. Yeah. That makes- even dog style that'd be great
1: exactly you know that move in Uncharted 4 where you throw out the rope and you jump off the rope and you come down with a haymaker on someone <laughs> I just want a game of that you know it was really good in Uncharted but they never did anything else with it no not you're not Lost wrong Legacy.
0: I wonder what um, era of Indiana Jones you do as well because like Howard says in this interview that his favourite movie is Raiders of the Lost Ark and that's obviously vintage like Indiana Jones whereas now he's getting on a little bit I like or I love old Harrison Ford as a dude more um, so I, I assume that you do Indie 101 you do the, the the legacy version, or maybe you do multiple time periods. Yeah, yeah, I guess you could be sitting, reminiscing about some adventure, and you just go off on that. Like,
1: do you play as Indy? If so, like mm. you said, do you go, you could maybe go young Indy that could circumvent not having to get Harrison Ford? Like, you could do... I don't him, believe they've
0: got him. When he's, oh, I'd nah. almost
1: certainly not. But I reckon if you go young Indy that you don't really have to, you mm. can sort of Alden Ehrenreich him <laughs> in, in a way, get someone else, and it doesn't feel too kind of crazy? Or do you mm. get him as like a figure who's in the story, but you're not playing as him? Do you play as someone around Ooh. him? I don't know.
0: Imagine if you're doing it you're younger and you've got, to, you've got to acquire the whip and acquire the hat. Yeah. Uh, uh, I don't know what else. He's got to acquire the button shirt. Yeah. Or <laughs> yeah. acquire what you get to, <laughs> to be indie. Acquire your PhD in archaeology <laughs> so you can teach. <laughs> and then, and then uh, yeah, the, the theme kicks in when you finally stand tall with your, your brown pants on or whatever.
1: Maybe, man. Maybe.
0: Ugh, it's, such a, it's such a weird thing. I continue to, to say it was a weird announcement. I, I imagine that Um, And with Todd Howard producing, obviously, it's going to have some level of quality to it, but it's kind of cool, or it's fascinating seeing him, because he's always mentioned, it's also mentioned that he's going between the uh, Fallout TV show as well, he has a hand in that, and he's got a hand in Starfield, and he's got a hand in Indiana Jones, and he's also talking about retiring everywhere, whenever anyone else talks to him. I just
1: think Indiana Jones is interesting, because it makes me think, why have you done that? You're in Machine Games, you've got this... Hugely successful franchise mm. in Wolfenstein. You're part of Bethesda. You don't need to do an established IP. No. Like, none of the other studios in within ZeniMax are really doing that <laughs> at all. No. So because of that because it's not like the entire publisher is chasing this trend kind mm. of like how Square Enix was where it was like Marvel, yeah we'll put three of those games in development <laughs> it makes me believe in it a little bit more I might be burned it might not turn mm. out very well but it, it makes it far more interesting you
0: kind of hope that because um, obviously it's Disney at the very top that they would sort of just go like we don't know anymore the movie bombed we don't know you know the games Avengers bombed just over there like EA's also got Black Panther and so it's just like maybe they can make something work or something, but the state of IPs at a certain level, I just, I can't even imagine what the actual conversations are like. Um, They'll be over Zoom, for one thing. They'll actually be in person. But the amount of the machinations of bringing these projects together just seems so out of whack at this point, Mm. where it doesn't feel like a... Because I remember when Roger Clark, on stage at Gamescom, said he was like, oh, it's a two-year turnaround for Fort Solace. And he's like, they knew what they wanted, and they nailed it, and now the game's out. And the fact that he said that in such a public place as such a remarkable thing to point out only solidifies how completely messy all the top-tier stuff is. Maybe Indiana Jones is the most straightforward project ever. but The (laughs) the amount of other um, IP stuff. Like I said, when you start bringing in brands and the rules and we need this to be this and whatever, and you've got to seek um, permission every time you want to change the color of something, it's just like... Oh my gosh!
1: It is crazy, it absolutely is crazy, but man, what part of video game development at that level isn't messy? You <laughs> talked earlier about the Bioware magic that yeah. sank the likes of Andromeda. <laughs> I mean, that, that sort of messiness, that indecisiveness, that, oh, can we do this? Can we do that? We need to change this colour, that's going to take three weeks. Mm. Like, that top-down sort of um, disorganisation, <laughs> I don't think it's some kind to say. <laughs> Seems to be just
0: the gaming industry's bread and butter. Yeah, or just like a certain echelon of like franchise management at this point, where everything is a, a brand or has a certain and rules to follow. Um, uh, speaking of rules to follow, barely a segue. This is the wind up. I've been Scott Tilford. That's been Josh Brown. Always a pleasure, Scott Tilford. Always a pleasure to be heard by all of you. Thank you all once again for checking us out across the weekend, and we'll catch you throughout the week. Bye bye. Goodbye. Even on a budget, quality is non negotiable.